Welcome to your Truth Revealed video podcast, sharing the power of self-knowledge. I'm Erica Marcoux. Episode 8, Know Your DNA, is the second part of an interview with Dr. Deborah Dunn. This interview explores why DNA and mitochondria are such an important health topic and how understanding this genetic information can optimize your energy, health, and aging. All of season one helps you to be your own health expert as I interview industry professionals to explore your hidden mental and physical health potential. I'm here today with Dr. Deborah Dunn. She received her medical degree from the University of Texas and her master's in applied environmental public health from Tulane University. She completed a fellowship from Dr. Andrew Wiles integrative medicine program at the University of Arizona and completed training from the Institute of Functional Medicine. Dr. Deborah Dunn is the founder of Genetic Eve, a company that interprets mitochondrial DNA to help people optimize energy, health, and aging. Understanding mm -hmm. perhaps who you are yeah. and appreciating that you have come from a long line of survivors. Welcome and thank you so much for being a guest on our show. How do you identify a haplogroup? We identify a haplogroup by finding mutations in the genome of the mitochondria. We have a technology, a bioinformatics technology that helps us analyze it and we compare it to a standard, which is probably not very helpful for you. So let me give you a okay. better analogy. <laughs> Imagine you're here in Austin, Texas and you have, which a, I am, which you are, and you have a necklace and on your necklace, you have a yellow bead. Okay. And you have children and you give them the yellow bead. Okay. And this goes on for thousands of years. And finally, the weather changes and the one, one of them has to leave. And so she goes to Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma, it's very, very hot. For example, it's extremely hot. And she stays there and has children, passes them the yellow bead. Thousands of years later in Oklahoma, there happens to be one daughter born with a blue bead. So now she has the yellow bead. And the blue bead. And the blue bead. And she goes on to pass this down to her children. And now one of her children leaves and goes to Louisiana. And in Louisiana, after multiple generations, she gets a red bead and she passes that down. So if I have her necklace in Louisiana and I see a yellow bead, well, I know she was in Austin. Isn't that fascinating? And that is how we can figure out the mutations that you have. And then, of course, we know those mutations affect a particular protein in your engine. So let's say you have the blue, the yellow, and the red bead. Is, so is that a particular haplogroup? Yes. So okay. the yellow would be one haplogroup, then the yellow and blue would be a haplogroup, and then the yellow, blue, and red. And that these, combination. Yeah, and there's spans of wow. right, thousands upon thousands of years. And so the question I know you're going to say is, well, what happened in Louisiana for her to get the red beet? And what does it do? Why is it helping her? And those are the questions that we are curious about. And then 
let's assume we're going to do studies and we have a thousand people with the uh, yellow bead and we have a thousand people with the yellow and blue bead and we have a thousand people with the yellow, blue and red, then we look to see, is there anything going on? Do you have an increased prevalence of any particular diseases? How can we look at this? And then we evaluate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's so fascinating and potentially so helpful in a lot of different arenas. Health, lifestyle, general well-being. Just understanding Mm -hmm. perhaps who you are and appreciating that you have come from a long line of survivors. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Have these changes in you that Mm -hmm. are so old and through all the years of famine and starvation and these refugias and eaves that have died and yet here you are. Uh-huh. It's amazing. It's remarkable. And what a gift you're providing for people to be able to, to share that. I hope so. I hope I, so. This idea of belonging is so important mm-hmm. to just know you're really not alone in this world. Mm-hmm. That And that you are a certain way for a reason. Yes. So perhaps you can understand that with kindness and compassion in the clinic, we talk about the polar bear in Hawaii. Yes. So if you, t- if you have the polar bear <laughs> in Hawaii and the polar bear is losing hair, sluggish, can't have babies because all he's eating is poi and pineapple. Mm-hmm. And everyone's yelling at the polar bear. And you're yelling at the polar bear because we're harsh on ourselves far more than people around us are. And it really is not necessarily the polar bear's fault. He's in the wrong environment, <laughs> eating the wrong food, eating the wrong food. And he can't yeah, really do his exercises very well. So, I mean, it's a simplification, but it's a great analogy to I kind of that. understand it. That's great. Yeah. I have another question for you. Why does it matter in today's world that I carry these ancient maternally inherited mutations? It's important for a couple of reasons. It's possible in the future that we will manipulate our genetics, including our mitochondria. So the ability to track people will be lost. And in fact, some of your ancient mothers will be lost. And it's already happening. Really? mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, in way, in ways it needs to happen. I mean, there's, there are life altering interventions that are occurring. It's not impossible to think that there might be particular mitochondria that are more ideal to this modern world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we don't know what that will be like. So in one way, we're memorializing. I love that. This history of yes. who you are. I have an archaeology background too, so you this is do? Yeah. Oh, I love the the preserving the, the history is so important. It is important. Mm-hmm. And again, it's connecting. Mm-hmm. Connecting to who you are, connecting to the struggles of who you are, and the idea that you are not alone here on earth. Mm-hmm. So I for myself when I was recreating my great ancestor, I started to envision her and I wondered about her. And and from that came a book. So we now have a series of books because besides the science and understanding your risks that you have, connecting into your maternal heritage Mm -hmm. is 
such a beautiful thing and to not be lost. Because it's interesting that Mother Nature or God left the engine part to be passed on only by the mother. I mean, it's an interesting thing. So there's contributions, right, from the male, but this core part comes from, it's left into the hands of of the maternal line. It's a great way to memorialize it. So we have created characters. We've created a series of books for each genetic Eve, and they are a coming-of-age series of this first new mutator in her region. Such a creative way to wrap the scientific information and and share it. It always is better in a story. Oh, I agree. It's like the story (laughs) is something that you can pass down and that you remember. And we spent a lot of time looking at you know, eye color and hair color and skin color and, and then where that group ended up and kind of trying to create a benevolent figure that would be appealing. And then within the book, we have an opportunity to have ancestral beings show compassion and kindness to the main character. Tell me more about the, the compassion piece. We are so harsh on ourselves mm-hmm. and say things to ourselves we would never say to our best friend or to those that we love. And it's natural to some degree because we know how the brain works. Mm-hmm. It has a tendency to focus on uh, anything that's really dangerous or is a threat you know, from for the survival. For survival. <laughs> The flip side is it's gotten out of control in our current world. Dr. Deborah Dunn is referencing Mindful Self-Compassion by Dr. Kristen Neff and Dr. Christopher Germer. So if you look at the classic flight, fight, or freeze scenarios, which makes sense in the wild, make sense for our genetic eaves. They don't make so much sense in our modern world right now for all of us. And it's manifesting in the following ways. So freeze is manifesting in rumination. You're sort of frozen in that thought. Flight is um, self-criticism. Why? Because that's to motivate you to fight better, right? That's like, oh, you can do that. It's seen as motivation, but it doesn't really work. Flight is moving into shame and isolation. We have this opportunity to put phrases out that I've learned from Kristen Neff and from Dr. Berner from Harvard. This is part of the human experience. That's right. Suffering and difficulty and hardship and pain is part of your Eve's past. Mm -hmm. It's part of your mother's past. It's part of our past. And our future. And our future. (laughs) And it's just part of life. So rather than beating ourselves up over it and shaming ourselves or not engaging in life, Mm -hmm. what are some techniques we can do? How did you incorporate that into the books? Each girl has to go out on their own on a journey. Uh And their mutation allows them to sort of save the village. Oh, because nice. they have this particular it's a mutation. Journey. Yeah. Um, and they encounter various people and they also have their own uh, wise ancestors. Mm-hmm. So because they are coming of age 
and you know the prefrontal cortex hasn't shaped they do things they shouldn't do because that's part of their their journey and their process and rather than a lot of shaming or admonition there is language that's very understanding nice and practices to be kind to be mindful and to understand you it's part of humanity wonderful you analyzed my dna uh, what are some key takeaways for me? Oh, you are so interesting. Oh my <laughs> How <goodness>. so? <laughs> well, on one hand, your frequency in, in the in the world is very, very low. Frequency in the like world the number of people low. of you in <gasps> dig sites in in population studies, it's very tiny. Okay, so I'm representing a tiny group. And then the the other thing is you hung out in an area that was isolated for a long time. You had told you about the beads. Let's say you picked up the red bead. You picked up the red bead and you kept that red bead a super long time. (laughs) And the only way that could have happened is if you just didn't have a lot of adverse conditions in the region that you were in, like you were already pretty good, or you didn't have a lot of mixing. You didn't have... Or I didn't travel um, much. Exactly. You were in a good place because you would have left if it wasn't pretty good. So on one hand, you're old. The number of mutations you have and where they're at, they're they're pretty old, mm-hmm. and that dictates a certain type of engine. Uh-huh. And then on the flip side, you didn't pick up your, you know, red bead until pretty young. In other words, you stayed in this area a very long time while other groups were changing a lot. Oh, I see. You were not changing. Okay. So that makes you quite unique. Huh. Yeah. yeah. And your physiology is quite yeah. unique too. And it has nothing to do with how you look on the outside, which is what's right. so interesting. Right, which is all internal. Yeah, it's your mitochondria, which yeah. has no color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that is interesting just about your particular uh, history mm-hmm. uh, and your adaptations. And your tendencies will be closer to uh, an older ancestral machinery. I'm not sure it's great for you necessarily to spend lots of time in uh, you know, shivering and trying to be really cold and trying to build brown fat and trying to have a new biogenesis mm-hmm. using cold induced biogenesis mm-hmm. you're just really pretty old you know right i'm not convinced it's really going to help you there's so few of you i don't really know you know, <laughs> you know? the mystery group but in terms of where <laughs> mutations are occur i can see that your mutations occur in your pretty temperate climate uh-huh. so at the last usually in the atps at the very last or the fifth one if we see a lot of mutations there well i know you're a waster like, I know you waste a lot of heat. You're not very efficient. Okay. And you don't have a lot in that area. Yours are kind of in these other areas. So I would do well in temperate temperatures. Yeah. You probably don't feel energized around frigid climates. Not at probably all. Probably doesn't really It feels uh, work very uncomfortable. You. Yeah, probably doesn't work for you because your, your mutations are just old. And thyroid connects to mitochondria as well. Right. Uh-huh. And that also regulates temperature whereas i produce so much heat like i am so hot all the time wow i feel far better in a really 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 cold place mm-hmm. yeah and now i know why and so mm-hmm. it's like okay i need to wear the cold vest or i need to go to cryotherapy and if i do i do feel better 
Oh, good. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So those are little changes. Well, one thing that you mentioned was that we've adapted alongside foods. That's the way that I'm interpreting it. I love how you okay. put that. Okay. Yeah. We fit into our environment. Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands of years. We knew when the sun came out and when the sun went down. The type of foods that were around us dictated which proteins would be upregulated or downregulated. Okay. We created a particular microbiome that was best for our babies because babies are born through the vaginal tract. It's not clean. It has microbiota, both from feces and vaginal microbiota, and that gets colonized in a baby. That uh-huh. sets up their lymph system. That sets up their take, their imprint of a way of mm-hmm. their microbiome. And it was a beautiful synergy. So when I look at particular diseases that are high in certain eaves, and then I go back and I look at the natural foods and what's really high in those natural food sources, wow, that's what people are using to treat those um, afflictions with nutraceutically. I but they were that. already they're in the foods in that region. There we okay. have a complete database that looks at the origins of food so we can pair it. That's fascinating. Because foods have origins too. Yeah, right? you think about it. Yeah. Foods have origins. And one common misperception is tomatoes in Italy. That comes up a lot. <laughs> tomatoes from Italy. Well, no, they're not from Italy. So where are tomatoes from? Yeah, so tomatoes, <laughs> if you go way, way, way back in time, there's a particular group they belong to, the nightshade group. Yes. You've heard of nightshade groups. And... During the times 200 million years ago, Pangaea, continents were smushed together. Mm-hmm. And this old group of nightshades started in kind of Central Africa and spread <sighs> to South America and North America because they were on their western border. Like that was an easy way to spread those seeds. It has nothing to do Europe with Europe was so far away. Mm-hmm. Once all the continents opened up and then we put them on a map and you can actually see the spread and you can overlay your genetic eve and see. In, in modern times, certain people don't tolerate those lectins, mm. those mm-hmm. compounds on the seeds and the skins very well. Right. And they're often people that are not native to those foods. So it, that's one example of food and mitochondrial and antigen presenting or lectin mm-hmm. interaction. And we are working up all the foods for that and have put it together. And it's really That's fun. coming, huh? Yeah, it's fun. That's great. You can just upload yeah. your 23andMe or FTDNA. Really, FTDNA is better because it's a full sequence of mitochondria versus just uh, 23andMe is sort of a shotgun approach. Okay. But it's enough to, for us to kind of work okay. with and still. So it's the raw data that you get from 23andMe. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we may release something earlier where if you just want to put in your haplogroup, if you don't want to share your own personal data, mm-hmm. that might be an option. It won't show if you're a new mutator, but it would certainly give you information about your your Eve. Okay. So that's an option as well. Okay. And then you'll a beautiful report is generated that explains migration patterns and food patterns, cultural information about your particular Eve, Mm -hmm. foods that were there in the environment for her. Supplements are recommended. Food is always best. But if you can't do food, you can uh, do supplements. This is fascinating to me too. 
Oh, Would yes. you like to share a little bit about these oh, products? Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. With each of our books and each of our eaves, we have created a special line of products that use only those herbs, flowers, and uh, healing properties from that particular area of the journey. So Hava, for example, is Hava's forest, and uh, she has a combination using a lot of different uh, pine and sage and mugwort, juniper mm-hmm. berry, black currant, chamomile. It's a hundred percent pure. Each one will have their own particular line based on the foods and flowers and healing herbs in it. And then in the books we have special uh, teas and recipes. Oh wow! As well. We wrote the books so that you could share them with your your daughters because we want that compassion bridge to start now. So they're very appropriate for 13 years old and, and up. You mm-hmm. could read them together. And it would be wonderful to take the cream and rub it on your chest, rub it on your stomach. You can use it over your whole body. Yeah. Um, and then get into the space and read the books and connect into this ancestor mm-hmm. that you have and your mother or grandmother right. or son and connect, make the connection stronger. Yeah. Oh, thank you for the honor to talk oh, about this. Oh, for sure. I Super really excited. appreciate it. And I think that this information is so new and your approach is so unique that I'm just so happy to share it with our listeners. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Our feature product for this episode is Super Ubiquinol CoQ10 with enhanced mitochondrial support. CoQ10 is an essential nutrient your body needs for healthy mitochondrial function, a process that produces your energy at the cellular level. Over time, levels of this enzyme in your body naturally decrease. This supplement increases energy and has powerful antioxidant properties, protecting mitochondrial DNA from damage. Go to your truthrevealed.com slash store and use promo code TRUTH for a 20% discount. In response to this interview, let's summarize mitochondrial DNA. DNA is the molecule that contains your genetic code. Mitochondrial DNA is the DNA that is located in mitochondria. Mitochondria are small structures and cells that generate energy for the cell to use and are referred to as the powerhouse of the cell. Mitochondria convert chemical energy from food into a form that cells can use called ATP. You inherit DNA from your mom and dad, and the genes are rearranged in the process of recombination. You inherit mitochondria exclusively from your mom, and there is usually no change. It recombines with copies of itself. This enables researchers to trace maternal lineage far back in time. Let's look at your maternal haplogroup. This is a family of mitochondrial DNA that traces back to a single common ancestor. All energy comes from one place, the mitochondria, 
and all mitochondria had come from just a handful of maternal ancestors. What is your maternal haplogroup? Episode 9 is titled Know Your Development with Dr. Renee Rogers. It's kind of easy for everybody to get that children go through stages of development. Uh, but sometimes we kind of take for granted that once we grow up, we stay the same. We're not really aware of the evolution of consciousness. For more learning, download your free worksheet and join in the discussion. I encourage you to go to your truthreveal.com. Also, Please subscribe and add a rating and review at your Truth Revealed on Apple iTunes. Thank you for listening. I'm Erica Marcoux in Austin, Texas.